The Ask a CEO Show is brought to you by Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning agency telling personal and brand stories for more than 30 years. From strategy to production and execution, they are a true full-service agency. Check them out today at LorraineGregory.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Ask a CEO Show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now, he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome, everybody, to Ask a CEO. I'm Greg Demetrio, the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications. The Ask a CEO series tries to highlight the CEOs of important companies here in our region and give us a look inside the executive suite to see what really goes on. We have a very special guest today, uh, Jackie Clement, the CEO uh, and executive director of the Fair Media, Cap- Media Council which is a 501c3 organization, which tries to teach us how to be media savvy. She's been in the business for almost 30 years. Uh, she, <laughs> funny, she had her first byline in the fourth grade in the local newspaper, right? And she's been working with and for media ever since. She's been responsible for bringing us so many top shelf media connections and publishers and journalists, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, two Pulitzer Prize winners, uh, nationally known authors and media types, including icons like Helen Thomas, Dan Rather, Michael Wolff, Bob Woodruff, Al Roker, and just a whole big list of more. Um, She's a native of Youngtown, Ohio. She attended Hofstra University got her uh, BA in communication and journalism, and she now serves as an adjunct professor for Hofstra. So welcome, Jackie. Thank you for taking the time to sit it down. Well, thank you for having me, Greg. You look good. I'm, I'm hanging on, hanging on. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and the organization that you run, the Fair Media Council. Well, let's see. About me, as you mentioned, I've always focused on journalism and communications in my background, so I've been doing it a long time. This role kind of marries up my background, which is a little unusual because I worked inside newsrooms, so I have experience as a news reporter and an editor, Uh, but I've also worked on the business side of news outlets, and it's kind of unusual to have those two backgrounds um, and this organ- running this organization actually marries up both of those skills. So that's what one of the things that makes it interesting for me. Um, because if I'm feeling creative, I can sit down and write something. If I'm feeling more analytical, I, I can address the business side uh, of what's going on. Okay. So it's a good mix. It's, it's a tough job that you have, especially nowadays with so much uh, division, divisiveness. Uh, on the political sides of the spectrum. So my first question is going to be about about that. Both sides of the political spectrum are complaining about the coverage. Mm -hmm. They're complaining it's skewed one way or the other. 
And then the COVID-19 situation, it, it almost takes to a higher level because people are trying to figure out what they should really be listening to, what's real, what the truth is. So yeah. I'm old enough to remember the Cronkites and the Huntley Brinkleys and the Tim Russerts, mm-hmm. right, of the news media, where people had a lot higher level of trust in the yeah. coverage. So what's happened? And is there <laughs> really, is there a, me- a remedy for this situation? Okay. Is, is that your only question? Is that all you want to know? Um, okay. So going back, um, really what's happened in a nutshell is technology happened. And I'll explain that. But, you know, you reference folks um, from the past that baby boomers will often ask, like, what happened to news? Because I remember when Cronkite was in the chair. And that's what you held as the gold standard. Um, what you need to remember is, That happened at a time when there were very few media voices. You know, you had the big three is what you turned to. So maybe you preferred ABC, CBS, or NBC. But that was your choice for evening news, you know. Um, You got your newspaper in the afternoon as opposed to the morning. Remember that? I do. Um, Okay. So what happened is once technology came along, suddenly you had the 24 cable channels the public appetite for news changed so that you were no longer willing to wait until the evening news or for that afternoon paper to be delivered. You wanted to know what was happening right now. And technology aided that. The other thing technology did, though, was it gave everyone the chance to have a voice. So I tend to say one of the great things about America is everyone can have a voice. And one of the worst things about America is everyone can have a voice, right? So anyone right now with an internet connection can say they're a news outlet. There, there's no barrier to entry the way they used to be. So the plus and minus of that is you are now empowered to have a voice. The downside of that is if you have a particular agenda or if your motives aren't too strictly to inform and help empower other people, then it's a weakness in our system. So the free press is foundational to the United States of America. No question about it. Right. And it's compounded when the country is literally fighting for its life. Yeah. So in today's upheaval situation, what is the responsibility of those people who hold themselves out as media? Uh, Okay. Good question. Well, what's interesting with this particular situation with, with the coronavirus coverage is you're actually covering something that no one understands. So it's hard to hold media accountable if what you're saying is they're not covering the truth when if the information they're getting from the experts is unknown. So if you remember when we first started social distancing, the the rule was stay three feet apart. Then it became three to six feet. Then the CDC came out with six to 10 feet. And now people say stay at least six feet apart. So it wasn't that the media was wrong in saying three feet. It was that was the guideline at the time. So we can only hold the media accountable as much as we can hold the people who are supposed experts accountable. So in in many ways, the coronavirus falls outside of the scope of what we expect from typical news reporting. Um, So all we can do is hope for A, they continue to cover a variety of sources, you know, not just get one opinion, 
You can go to one infectious disease expert who tells you one thing and another one will tell you another. So what's the media to do? You know, the greater hallmark here is they need to keep the public informed. So if the information keeps changing, yes, they have a responsibility to report as it changes. And if you don't keep up, that's where you start getting confused. So it adds a level of of anxiety to the viewing and reading public because they're getting differing, maybe not totally differing, but different nuances of the same information. So what are we to believe? So it's almost like the consumer of media has to do their due diligence to go behind the words, behind the voice, behind the pictures to come up with their own opinion. Definitely. It's very important today um, to not get your news just from one place. You want to use a variety of sources. And you don't just want to sit back and watch television. You know, you don't want to flip on a cable channel and just leave it on and just keep playing. You want you want to turn to your newspapers or your online sources as well as use radio and TV. Um, that's actually one of the guidelines we give people is you want to you want to look to formats that were newspaper or online formats of newspapers because those stories tend to be longer. They'll go more in depth. They'll give you more of the why behind the story, and then turn to radio and television for updates on a story. So if you're only getting your news from television or radio, you're missing the the background that you need to understand things. You have to add a level of diverse coverages to round, yes. out, to round out the information you get. Yes. So totally getting information, we're, we're bombarded 24-7 now with mm-hmm. this covid situation with the death statistics, the hospitalization statistics, worldwide, local, statewide. And it's like overload. People are going like, oh, I can't take another statistic on this. Yeah. What do you think should, I mean, should the consumer of media say, all right, I'm going to watch X and X and let it alone for the rest of the day? Because otherwise you're just like, wow, I can't get my head around this. No, definitely. You should definitely put yourself on a schedule. And I think people need to learn, they need to turn things off and they need to put things down and walk away for for a while. It's almost like we have this great fear of missing out that we have to keep the TV on or, or we feel we have to stay connected. The reality is with today's news formats, they're highly repetitive. You're not going to miss anything. You, you can leave it for a few hours and come back. They're going to repeat whatever it is that happened in that time. So I tell people the best thing you can do for yourself is go to the gym, you know, go work out, go spend time with the family, go make dinner, whatever, but disconnect from the news and get on with your life. And then you choose. People forget they have the power to let news into their life. That's completely up to you. Take back the power. You decide when you let the news in. So we're involved with communication and journalism and media. And and we're like, uh, junkies of it, right? Because we, we have to know <laughs> yeah. about it. But right. do you think that the viewing public even goes to that length uh, that we might think as um, to keep themselves informed? Is it small? Is it little? What do you think the normal viewing public does in terms of consuming news? Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you just, just based on habits, people tend to... Um, get their news primarily from television, which they shouldn't, because again, you're, you're missing out on the basic information that you need by doing that. 
Um, but people just tend to be lazy in a way. And sitting down and turning on the TV is a passive activity as opposed to reading something that's active. So we're inherently lazy. So we'd much rather flip on the TV and let it play as we roam around the house and do our thing, right? Even if it's just in the background. Mm. So our, our media consumption now is something like 12 hours a day, which is insane. You know, that's, a, that's really an addiction level. Because if you're, if you're consuming media 12 hours a day and we're assuming you're getting, what, six to eight hours of sleep, you're not doing much else during the day, okay? So we need to get that under control. Um, you know, and, and part of the whole situation is um, adults also consume news differently than kids. You know, as an adult, you probably turn on the TV just sort of as background noise, keep you company. Mm-hmm. Kids are actively absorbing whatever is going on. So if you're ignoring the news and they're bringing you bad stuff, whether it's scary images, what you know, it could be the COVID-19 stuff, it could be war coverage, whatever. If what, if what they're projecting into the house is basically negative stuff, kids are absorbing that. Little kids can get very scared because what they see happening isn't happening on TV. They see it happening right inside your house. So if you're not cognizant that you need to pay attention to that, turning it off or, or maybe talking to the kids about what's happening to make sure they feel safe, you're impacting another generation in a way you didn't even realize. That's very good advice. Very good advice. Because the little ones still need to be educated by the parents. Yeah. And you need yeah. to pay attention to what's going on in their lives to, to put them in a better place. Right. So you guys, Fair Media Council has run very important events. Uh, you're on Long Island. You bring mm-hmm. the media to us. You hold yeah. these conferences that are very informative. I don't think I've missed one. You have breakout sessions that way you can interact with the with the reporters and and the publishers and and the broadcasters. So now that we're under these social distancing guidelines and we're not allowed to gather, how has that impacted that strategy that you use to make us yeah. media savvy and get us up close and personal? How are you going to do that? That is a fine question. Um, We actually did have to move our annual awards luncheon that we do from April. So we're hoping to do that late September. I think it's a safe date. And we are planning on doing our uh, summer boot camp, which is scheduled for late July. Now, the caveat I have with that right now is... Tell us about that. What is the summer boot camp? Oh, it's a half-day boot camp. It focuses on basically improving communication skills. So this year, it's going to focus strictly on hyper-local news to take you inside the Long Island news landscape. Um, So it will be things like um, we have an assistant managing editor from Newsday coming to talk about all the changes that have taken place at Newsday and how do you actually pitch the story Newsday today, how all those changes impact their news coverage. So someone who can walk you through navigating Newsday um, because of all the changes they've undergone. And also they've added multimedia, you know, to to what they offer. So all of that plays out to if you're trying to be heard or if you're trying to pitch a story, you have to change your tactics and you really have to know what they need. Is that going to be a virtual event now? Well, Um, We're playing it by ear to see where we are with social distancing. Right now, we're planning to do it in person. If we do it in person, obviously, we have to be cognizant of just how many people we can allow. 
So we may cut off in person to a certain number and make it virtual as well to provide both opportunities for people. You know, if the timeline doesn't move the way we think it will move, we, we may just do it all virtually. Um, but uh, we have about five speakers in total um, to cover the Long Island landscape so that you can really get your questions answered. Um, that's one of the great things about being able to do it in person is the chance to actually physically meet people. And who should, um, and who should attend that? Who do you think that's well, focused on? You know, um, we just get a whole range of people. It's great for the nonprofits to come out because nonprofits tend not to have people who focus on media relations. It's usually someone who does some, you know, 12 other jobs and then they add media relations to it. Um, But really anyone who wants to have a voice and is trying to be heard on Long Island. You know, what we're seeing now because of the way COVID-19 has impacted people and businesses have been closed for so long. You know, the impact of that is once we come back and it's starting to happen now. I noticed yesterday was the first day I saw people starting to actively advertise and start marketing themselves as opposed to the marketing campaigns that said, we're all in this together. Now we're starting to see people getting back to selling, you know, products and services. Uh, But now you're in this strange place of you need to let people know you're actually open for business. No one can take that for granted right now. Because no one knows who's surviving and who's not. So there's going to have to be a heavy emphasis for organizations to market and promote themselves, not only more than they ever have before, but more efficiently. Yeah, that's the advice we've been giving our clients and taking it ourselves, as a matter of fact. Uh, Coming out of 08 and 09, uh, you had to be more aggressive to let Mm -hmm. people know you were still relevant, you were still there, and you were open for business. My mindset now is that we have to look at where we were before the virus hit. Mm-hmm. We're in pretty good shape. The economy was through the roof. Business was happening everywhere. People were looking for new ideas and new initiatives. We need to get back to that. And you can't get back to that unless you start from that place where you are. People won't, people won't be able to count on you as a solid company unless you let them know that you've survived. And that's the advice we've been telling our clients as well. So, yes, you're right. Public relations, communications, all types of media, especially social media really helps now because it's a lot less expensive than traditional media. But it's, it's just one of the tools and, and you have to use them all. But that's an interesting thing that you brought up was that people are now starting to pay attention. And it's something we've been saying since the coronavirus hit. Don't drop the ball. Yeah, well, well, I think part of the mindset has been, you know, communications has evolved a lot over time, uh, as well as hand in hand with technology. Mm. So the I'll call it the old school method of business was, you know, you were in the CEO's office, you made decisions, and then you went and told the communication person what to do. You know, the most successful businesses in, in the realm that we're talking about the communication person is in the room with the CEO when those decisions are being made and plays a vital role um, because they're really the people that are out on the street that know how the audience is going to react, maybe what's missing, maybe what products and services you should be offering that you're not even thinking about. Um, So it's no longer that communication people are the stepchildren of an organization. If they're not vital and at it day in and day out, you know, 
media relations shouldn't be viewed as a project, you know, like we have a particular event coming up, now we need to promote it. No, you need to be promoting and actively talking about your brand and your products and services every day. I think that's a message that's been resonating more and more as we've seen it evolve over the last few years, that they, we, the communications experts are being relied on more. The marketing people are more in the decision chain than they ever were before. So that's a, yeah. I think that's a good thing. It, it provides for better messaging and, mm-hmm. and a better product when you put it in front of the marketplace. So that's a really good thing. And, and I think it provides for stronger accountability as I, well. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But one of the interesting challenges for Long Island, though, is Long Island has always focused on events as part of its promotion strategy. So now that we're into the social distancing realm, yes. that will be a challenge for a lot of people. I, I'm going to be talking to Discover Long Island in the next day or so exactly about that, because mm-hmm. Long Island is such yeah. Such an attraction event, venue-driven economy. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do when we lose a bunch of that? So it's going to be an interesting conversation I'm going to have with that CEO. Yeah, and how this affects tourism when that's our major industry. That That's huge. huge, so huge, huge. If I can help, let me know. I will. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We will. So listen, so knowing, mm-hmm. knowing the unknown is impossible, right? right? But... From Jackie Clement, what do you see as the short and long term in reopening and rebuilding? What, what's your vision for that? Uh, in <clears throat> terms of our businesses or in terms yeah, of the meat? Businesses. In terms of our businesses, well, I think um, you're going to find the ones that fall to the wayside. You know, maybe maybe they were in a weakened condition to begin with and this just, you know, put the final nail in the coffin. But for the ones that are reopening and are committed to bouncing back strongly, I think they have to double down on what they're offering and really knowing their audiences like never before. Because one of the challenges with communicating today is audiences are so fragmented. You know, you can't just reach them via direct mail or email or social media or traditional media. You have to incorporate all of that. Mm -hmm. And you have to know who you're hitting in what area, you know, um, one of the things you brought up when we started was old school news where credibility was the hallmark. Um, that's a question I get from baby boomers is that they remember those names. So any millennials or younger that are watching this, they need to Google those people to find out who they are. So I it's interesting. <laughs> I tell it to my millennials all the time. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's interesting, though, is millennials and Gen Z, the younger folks, oh, they're not familiar with that type of news. And so what they're left with is all this white noise of what's happening. And they're actually struggling. They're looking for people like some of the services that we offer to help guide them because they've never had that before. Uh, you know, they're in the generation of influencers, you know, there's some talk that whole, that whole concept of it being an influencer is going to go by the wayside now because so much of that was built on basically what we would consider fluff. You know, you looked good. Therefore, you know everything in the world. Right. Uh, I'm attractive. So everyone should follow me and live my life. Not anymore. You know, one of the great equalizers about what's happening right now is the shift back to you need to know what you're doing to be respected. And to be able to lead. I That's the great weakness we're seeing right now. Information by soundbite is right. not good information at all. 
Right. You just you you can have sound bites all day long, and and it's not going to teach you anything or tell you anything. No. Yeah, and that's all in the editor's purview, anyhow. He's going to couch mm-hmm. it whatever way he wants. So you need to go different. Back to what we started talking about earlier was that consumers of media have to do their own due diligence and and get comfortable with the sources they need to bring the truth together. So yeah, you know, and that's really. That's one of the reasons why we think it's so important for you to be able to meet the media, because it demystifies who they are. Ah, You you find out how they work and, you know, some of the decisions that go on in a newsroom, people don't understand how newsrooms work. You know, what is news? Uh, how, How do you even begin to put your head around what goes into a news story and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. So to be able to sit down and talk to people and see their methods and what goes on in their minds and how things play out is really important. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that you're out there keeping the media's feet to the fire. Uh, well, if somebody doesn't look over their shoulder, they just have carte blanche to do whatever. And that doesn't do us any good. So Fair Media Council plays a very important role, not only in connecting us, but you're like the, an overseer of the industry. And you can call people out and say, hey, listen, I saw what you did there. Did you really need to do that? You know, so that's a wonderful service. I don't know how much it resonates deeply into their psyche, but, it, it, you know, if you keep saying the same message over and over, people are going to hear it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, you know, it's interesting. There, there's pretty much... Um, and a divide between journalists that are good at what they do. They welcome the criticism because they want to be better. The ones that aren't good at what they do, they'll shy away from it. You know, they're the ones that they don't take phone calls. They're the ones that don't follow up on things. They're the ones that you won't find out on the street mm. because they don't want to come face to face with you where you might actually tell them what you think about their work. Okay. We, we recently saw a few days ago, there was um, a video of a News 12 reporter that was out covering a rally. I saw it, yes. And this made national news where uh, someone from Comac walked up to him. Well, the event was in Comac. I don't know if the person was from Comac and accused the News 12 reporter of being fake news. You're not going to find fake news people out in public. You're not going to know who they are, what their real names are. So to be out there on the street, accusing someone who does your local news, you know them, you see them in your deli, you know, they're covering what happens in your schools and your backyard. You're going to know they're not fake news. Fake news means I don't agree with you. That's what it's come to mean. Yeah. And it's become highly politicized. You also mentioned everything's politics today. You know, well, we try to instill in people is to be able to, get a variety of viewpoints. I don't care what your political point of view is. I want you to have information so that you can make up your own mind. You know, one of, one of the ways we, we reached out to people during all of this is, you know, you sit back and you say, what can I do to help? You know, I'm not a first responder, so I can't be there on the front lines. Uh, we came out with a series of media savvy tips on how to navigate the news today that we put out there on social media as well as on our, on our website. Because we know, you know, you sit there, you watch too much news, it weighs on your psyche, it puts you in a bad mood. We know this happens. Um, And you need to be able to turn it around somehow and have hope that we're going to come out of this. So really giving people the ability and the knowledge 
to handle the news themselves and be able to distinguish what it is they're watching and bringing into their own home is really important. Um, but yeah, the, the term fake news has become very generic. So if I just don't like the message, I'm going to call it fake news. And that's unfair. You yeah. know what? It's not it's, accurate, a, it's not appropriate. It's just, it's no. a term that needs to go away, I think. But anyhow, yeah. so you did say, you talked about us getting through this. Mm -hmm. I say that without us being united as a society, we'll never get through it. We need to pay attention to the scientists. We need to pay attention to the medical people. We need to, in a certain re regard, pay attention to the government rules. Mm -hmm. Whether we agree with them entirely or not, wisdom says they're there for a reason. And we need to be cautious when we want to oppose those. So I think that as a society, we need to focus on where we were before it started and where we have to go to rebuild what we had. And I think that's how we're going to get out of this and through it. So without taking up your entire day, <laughs> I want to say thank you very much for sitting down with us, Jackie. Your information was amazing. Oh, Every, you. You're, just, you're just an icon here on Long Island, and we really <laughs> appreciate everything that you do. So well, if you're going to treat me like this, I'll come back often. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Be, be very welcome. Thank you, Jackie. You're welcome. Take care. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app, or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.